0: How can we envision the sweeping changes to entire landscapes? Ownership
1: of commons, the air, soils, water, biological diversity, back cultural
0: to diversity point. is as Severe critical as biological diversity. In this epic struggle to preserve a habitable place, the only thing which is sustainable. That's mad. place that you love is now under siege.
1: Deregulated commerce is becoming a threat to the life on this planet. These are system problems. Our humanity is a state. We shouldn't ask whether we can survive These are existential questions as much as they are systemic questions. Action
0: informed by knowledge of place. You're listening to the Schumacher Lectures, a channel hosted by the Schumacher Center for a New Economics. The Schumacher Lectures feature speakers who challenge entrenched ways of thinking while exploring how to build a new economy that serves both people and the planet.
1: Because if it could only be in the hands of a few, it could never bring change. Kevin Lyons delivered his speech, greening the campus from a procurement perspective on October 26, 2002.
0: Let's have a look at it. I come here today with, uh, with good news and then mixed emotions as well as we talk about uh, green contracting, um, something that I've been involved with for the last 14 years. However, um, we've been speaking to the same crowd. I've spoke at uh, many conferences uh, here in the States, in the Far East, and down in South America, but basically it's the same group of folks who want to do, have done, and have already taken action. Um, just within the last five or six years, we have started to speak more and more to uh, business leaders and policymakers, the people who really need to hear this story and to take action. So if anything out of today, we need to concentrate more on those folks that need to be in the trenches and actually pulling off some of the things that we're going to be talking about today. And hopefully I'll give some of these practical uh ideas that can be carried forth and uh, practiced every day. Now, the big problem and the big challenge that we have with most of the folks that we're going to be communicating this to are uh, that this is a very difficult task. Um, I'm going to, again, talk about the great things that we've been able to accomplish. But the most difficult thing is change, as we all know. And the folks that we are targeting, in most cases, policymakers, business leaders, and the like are pretty set in their ways. They know what works, it's worked for them, and to make a drastic shift and change in policy and procedures to them is just too much work. In this particular movement, if you think about it, we've uh, collectively raised the bar in our knowledge as well, what we do every day. It's not about just green purchasing and making those types of changes within the contracts that we negotiate. You have to be a master, for instance, at ethics, the economics, how does business work, supply and demand, um, social responsibility, what are the products that we are buying and bringing into the institution, what kind of impact are they having on the university itself? Are we buying local, are we actually engaging the local community in our struggle to make these drastic changes? an understanding of science and technology and the changing of products that we're trying to now incorporate into the institution and whether or not those particular products are going to satisfy the existing need to uh, function as an institution daily. You know, there's nothing worse than, in our case, in some cases, purchasing and bringing in an environmentally preferable product and finding out that it doesn't work or it fails, and then it sets you back um, a couple paces. Understanding policy and how the institution runs, who makes the decisions, and who actually carries those decisions forth. Risk assessment. Some of the biggest changes that we've made have dealt with the health of our faculty, staff, and students, uh, particularly our, our staff, the ones who actually perform all the operational cleaning and maintaining of all our facilities making drastic changes that actually affect them in a positive way. So collectively looking at all these issues that we have to deal with when we actually consider environmentally preferable products, instead of the normal everyday, we bought it last year, let's buy it again this year because it was the easiest thing for us to do. These are some of the things that some of the folks that you're going to be speaking with are going to be struggling with every day, and it's our challenge to actually help them understand, package that uh, together, and help them through the transition of buying uh, virgin material versus the alternative. Understanding the past practices and the changes that have made the institution what it is, is very important. And also understanding the audience that you're dealing with, which includes again faculty, staff, and students, and the local community, and bringing them into the fold as well. And then the last bit in this convincing stage is the administration again. Um, I think the biggest challenge that most of the students that are out in the audience have in making these uh, changes is button heads up against the administration, who for the most part we will weigh you out until graduation comes and they know that you're going to go away. And then that, uh, by the time fall starts, you're going to forget about what you were talking about in the spring. Uh, that's the kind of mentality, unfortunately, that we've been dealing with on our institutions for, uh, for many years. And it's the challenge of only the, uh, not only the students, faculty, and staff to go from semester to semester with the same message and driving home until change is made. Okay, And then, of course, living the example as well. I mean, obviously, if we're going to be marching and talking about the things that need to be changed, we ourselves as students, faculty, and staff need to be living that example as well. So think about that. Now, the interesting thing is that you have some payoffs. And I'm going to talk about one quick story as a payoff. The uh, New York City Transit Authority, who I've been working with for the last uh, year and a half now on their green policy, which was signed into executive order about a year and a half ago by Governor Pataki, to green all of procurement in the New York City Transit Authority. Now, initially, the purchasing agents were, again, saying, We don't want to do it, too much work. Um, However, a success story in all this was we were able to convince the facilities maintenance folks at the uh, New New York City Transit Authority to change the the way that they maintain their elevators. Sounds like a mundane story. What we were able to do was change the hydraulic oil that's being used in the elevator systems to a vegetable-based, bio-based oil system. Now, it doesn't seem like a big deal until about six months ago with one of the seals on one of these elevator shafts had cracked, and which happens actually quite often, if you're familiar with elevator systems. And all the oil from the elevator shaft leaked into the pit, approximately a foot and a half deep of oil. Now, if you think about the uh, Virgin Alternative, if that would have happened, there would have been a, uh, a hazard. Uh, massive cleanup and um, would have been a disaster. The fact that we were able to convince them to switch to this bio-based vegetable oil, uh, hydraulic fluid, basically turned into a minor cleanup of sorts, where there was no concern whatsoever on the part of the uh, New York City Transit Authority. So now they're converts. We're working now for the last, again, year, working with the New York City Transit Authority, piece by piece, looking at their purchases, what's being bought. We're looking at alternative-fueled buses. The whole entire New York City Transit Authority, if we can help it within the next few years, is going to actually start to change their ways. Now, the students that I worked with on this uh, project to actually convince them to make that change were the same students that I grabbed from the housing complex at Rutgers. Now, this is something that I hope Makes it on the record, but then again, I don't want to make it a a known fact. But students at Rutgers University um, have very interesting ways of entertaining themselves in downtime. Now, the students that I found to work on this project were the same students that were elevator racing. Now, if anybody knows what elevator racing is, I'm going to tell you. Students in the housing complex actually open up the trap doors of elevators, climb up onto the top, when there's two elevators side by side, and actually race up and down the elevator shaft. Um, And this is elevator racing. Quite dangerous, obviously. But we were able to convince these same nutty students that why don't you put some of that energy in action and help us investigate this soy-based oil initiative for the New York City Transit Authority. So we've converted a bunch of insane students to the environmental side, and now they're actually working on several of the projects for us. Now, Lawrenceville Prep students, don't try this when you get to college. Dangerous. Now, before I get into my story about how things were changed at the university, I want to give you a little background on who I am. Very rarely in my uh, presentations do I give folks a little bit of insight to how I tick. Today, since I'm doing a lecture on a Saturday, kind of laid back, I'm going to give you some information about me. I've been involved in environmental action since I was in the K through 12 system, back when pollution and litter, and that was the cause of the day, going home and harassing your parents up and down about making change. Went on to the military and spent six years Now the military was interesting. I took that environmental action, which is probably a place where you don't want to practice your environmentalism in your first year of being in the military, but I did. I was in procurement, and my job was to purchase commodities and vehicles and things of this nature. But my very first assignment, which we discussed at dinner last night, was to buy chemicals in order to wipe out the gophers on the polo field because the officers who were playing polo were concerned that their horses were tripping over holes that were left in the polo field. So the order came down for procurement to buy chemicals and wipe them out. They just want them out of there. So knowing my background, obviously objected, said, we're not buying chemicals to wipe out anything. So it was me, the lowly soldier against the base commander, a duel to remember, if I can remember it correctly. And this goes back to 1980. So, this went on for about two weeks. The orders kept coming, and I kept saying, I'm not going to do it. Reprimands were being now um, forced against me. So, my solution at that particular point was to do an alternative. The etymology department, which was responsible for pest management on the camp, uh, on the base at that time, were idle. There was no wars going on, it was 1980. So, my plan of action, to make a long story short, was to purchase um, Straws which they could anesthetize the gophers after we smoked them out, and then move them into another entire portion of the base, and then repair the polo field. What happened was we actually did that. I was able to convince the base commander that we were going to purchase this, the gophers would never come back, and you can play polo. We're not going to kill out an entire species of gophers, and everybody will be happy. Now, if that didn't work, I wouldn't probably be standing here today talking to you. um, Because to be quite honest, I was one step away from being uh, kicked out of the military. Um, But I lasted for another five years made some other significant changes in the way that we were purchasing in the military, and actually, um, luckily for me, won several uh, accommodation medals for environmental preservation in the military. I moved on from there to work in a hospital for two years, a Catholic hospital in New Jersey, St. Peter's. Now, I thought that the uh, troubles that I had in the military were bad until I ran up against uh, Sister Marie. The president of the hospital, who for the life of me didn't understand the whole environmental movement, just didn't want anything to do with it. Her quote to me was just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. You know, we don't need to worry about um, autoclaving processes and incinerating our waste and things of this nature. Just go back to your office. Now the turning point for here, and actually there's a a theme in all these stories, the turning point for me was that I finally was able to convince her to to give it a shot. We're going to change some of our products that we're purchasing at the hospital until I gave a lecture to Sister Marie and the nuns that made up the administration. Now the one thing that you shouldn't do uh, when you're working 80 hours a week at an institution is give a lecture to Sister Marie and the nuns of the administration. And try not to use the word microorganisms as part of your lecture when you're stumbling and you're tired, because the word that actually came out, instead of organisms, and I think some of you might be guessing <laughs> what actually happened at that meeting, was enough for me to convince them that it's time to change the hospital institution. And after getting a nice little laugh and keeping an eye on me for the last uh, the next two years, I think we had a pretty good uh, relationship. Which brings me to Rutgers. I've been at Rutgers now for 14 years, and most of that time that I've spent has been in the trenches making changes, uh, like what I'm going to talk about um, today. Seven years on the New Brunswick campus, which is a large institution. Rutgers in itself is large. There's 48,000 students that make up the Rutgers complex. The first seven years I spent on the New Brunswick campus making the changes that I will be talking about in a second. Five years um, of changes done at the Rutgers Camden campus. Now, the interesting thing about what happened in my first seven years at Rutgers, butting heads up against the administration was that I know purchasing, I know purchasing very well, Uh, and obviously I've gotten um, accolades, luckily, for the way that I actually execute purchasing, but doing that and incorporating environmental uh, uh, sustainability into that was the challenge. Because I was butting heads up against the administration so much, I had the fortune of being transferred down to the Rutgers Camden campus, because there are bigger and better things down there for you to do, and our staff meetings are getting a little bit too volatile. So five years down at the Camden campus, which the administration thought at that time was exile, the interesting thing about Rutgers-Camden was that it was placed, uh, this, the campus is situated in the city of Camden, which has a lot of social and community-related issues to deal with on a daily basis. The state of New Jersey at that time was taking over the city financially, and luckily for me, one of the assignments I got when I first got down to Camden was to uh, rewrite the purchasing regulations of this depressed city. Now, my assignment was to rewrite the purchasing regulations to make them in accordance with the law. So when you give someone who's an environmentalist an assignment, now what you normally get back is what you ask for plus a little bit more. The purchasing regulations that I wrote contained sustainable issues, community development issues, buying local. And when the uh, city council looked at these regulations that I handed them, they were like, That's not what we asked you to do. Um, So what I did was I picked up my regulation, walked out of the room, and said, "Okay, well, that's it. You know, not only am I not getting paid for this, this has been a pro bono for the last year, and I'll take my little regulations and I'll go back to my campus. And they said, well, can't you give us the the stripped down version, take out all the, and I said, well, no, you either get the whole package or you get nothing at all. Um, So obviously, they were in a dire straight mode. So it was, again, me against the city of Trenton, which is where the headquarters for government in New Jersey is, the city of Camden, and the fact that they had to deliver this report within two weeks. Now, I know purposely that I held off on delivering this report um, three days prior to when they had to go to uh, press uh, telling them that they had these new regulations in place. So I said, okay, well, I'm taking my my regulations and I'm going home. Um, Two days passed. Now it's D-Day, where the governor and the uh, city officials had to mention this government uh, regulation that I had written. So obviously, to make a long story short, the policies were adopted full enforced. The sustainability issues were all intact. And um, I think the city is better for it. Now they have purchasing regulations that they have guided, or have guidance now that they can uh, follow through with and make that city the great city that it once was. Okay, So what's running into this whole entire theme is the mixture of professionalism, which I uh, hope that our students will take into account when they're thinking about environmental change. The folks that actually do get things changed, and specifically in my area, are folks who obviously know the business of what it is that their organization does, and incorporating that into what you believe you mix the two together, and I think you have uh, coworkers and others who actually believe that not only is this individual work 80 hours a week and is on top of his assignments or her assignments, but has that social responsibility that can be mixed with both and can actually execute the job and make this institution or organization tick without failure and people are not jumping out of windows and we're not um, going bankrupt. So again, today what I want to talk about in the time that I have left is the action bit. That's the part that really uh, changes minds and actually gets people to uh, get off the horn and actually start doing some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Green purchasing is more than just buying recycled content paper. I think, again, this is the hard part that purchasing professionals and policymakers and others uh, can't get their arms around. It's looking at long-range planning of products and services that you're bringing into the institution. It's life cycle approaches, which brings into the science of how you actually look at products, how they're made, where they come from, what are the resources that it takes to make that product, how are those resources that are being uh, extracted affecting the community, where those resources are coming from, how it's packaged, how it's shipped, how it's ultimately used at the institution. And in most cases, the disposal issues that come along with that are, in my case, how those resources get reintroduced back into the manufacturing process. That entire picture for your average purchasing or business professional is, I think, in some cases, a little bit much for them to grasp. But the thing that I've been able to do to make this a reality for those purchasing folks who've taking this is something that you actually do anyway on a daily basis. When you're not looking at the environmentally preferable product, they are actually doing the same things that we're talking about now with the virgin products that they're uh, purchasing. They're looking at how long is it going to last, how much money is it going to cost, and ultimately, what are we going to do when that particular thing fails and we move on to the next one? So the idea is just to transfer the same knowledge that we're currently using day to day every day um, to the environmentally preferable alternative. Okay. National and na- uh, international investigations. Um, part of my bio is dealing with going overseas and looking at products at their source and then investigating where those products are being derived and then figuring out alternatives for the folks that are being affected about the products that the uh, US, in most cases, is buying, looking at sweatshops, coffee production, and others, and bringing that information back to the institution to let them know that, yes, we are buying products, but did you know that the impacts that we're having on um, communities outside of the university is extreme? And this information needs to be brought to the attention of the administration as well as the students and faculty at the institution. Looking at policy design and implementation and interpreting that policy as well, all of our institutions should have environmental policies on the books that drive some of the things that uh, are being discussed today. Um, The schools that have it right and are actually starting down that path, you'll notice that they all have environmental policies on the book. The important thing with that is actually taking that and putting it into action. Okay, And then how to sustain or sustain all these actions that you're implementing at the university. You're only going to be, in most cases, the students there for four years, and then you're going to move on. However, implementing environmental policy and the actions that you take have to live beyond the four years that you're at the institution. So the internships that I work on with our students Um, I demand that whatever actions that we take as an institution, they have to last beyond your tenure as a student at the institution. And then constantly looking for innovation and research to better what we've already decided. It's nice to implement a lot of these actions and ideas, but if you can't improve upon them and update and upgrade them um, periodically, then you're going to be caught back in that cycle when you first got started. Okay, so here we go. I mentioned Rutgers University as an institution, but I wanted to give you some of the statistics that um, are kind of mind-boggling. The university spends about $350 million a year on goods um, and services. Now, collectively, the higher education institutions in the United States spend about $200 billion in goods and services every year, which is actually the equivalent to the federal government. Rutgers University, 48,000 students, about 9,000 plus faculty and staff, and we're actually occupying over 850 buildings. An energy bill every year of about $25 million, and uh, we spend about $3.3 million a year on on waste management, about 6,200 tons of waste. Uh, that is going to landfill and about 5,700 tons of waste that's being recycled, which is not that bad considering that um, you know, the university's uh, size is of that, of that nature and that the state of New Jersey has a requirement to recycle 65% of your waste every year. The university has been hovering around 50 to 55% every year, so we've been uh, below the state mandate. But I think it's good enough to the point where the state uh, basically leaves us alone. In the beginning, uh, there were several fines that the university were being levied against for not meeting those recycling goals. Um, So bad to the point where the facilities maintenance division set up a budget just to pay fines, which that's another lecture in itself. Rather than deal with the problem, we had a budget that actually dealt with it, um, which is kind of interesting. Now, all of this has actually culminated in us saving the institution, just by design, over 3.2% of our turnaround every year. So we've actually been able to procure, do our job, reduce energy input uh, or output, reduce our waste structure, and save on procurement to the tune of 3.2% annually, which I think is uh, pretty good when you look at $350 million a year. As I mentioned, the state of New Jersey has several policies on the books that affect Rutgers University. Rutgers is a state institution, and we follow public uh, laws. There are several public laws that are out there for those uh, folks from New Jersey. There's Executive Order 34, which deals with the Recycling Action Plan. Executive Order 91 that deals with environmentally preferable purchasing and the guidelines that need to be followed. And the 1987 Resource and Recovery Act is actually what started recycling uh, or mandatory recycling in New Jersey, which covers Rutgers University. Now, knowing that, that's where I spent the majority of my time, looking at waste and garbage and uh, kicking around inside garbage bins. And I think that's what got me the reputation that my colleagues think them a little bit off um, by spending most of the day in the garbage can rather than uh, behind my desk um, writing contracts. But again, that's another story. Um, Six weeks prior to school starting in 1988 is when this uh, Mandatory Recycling Act came into play. And it was interesting. When you think about Rutgers and the size of this institution, how we were going to pull off setting up a recycling program in six weeks um, is mind boggling. But it actually happened, if you can imagine this. It happened over the summer. Policy was on the uh, was being decided. And the governors uh, at the time uh, didn't pass that policy until six weeks prior to school. So we actually had that everything go in the trash Up to that point, six weeks later, we had to have a full-fledged recycling program up and running before the school uh, started in September. Now working again with uh, housing, facilities, all of our operations folks, we actually sat down in a bunker-type mentality and actually pulled this off in six weeks, which is actually a story in itself. And to this day, that same group of folks that we started this program with um, 14 years ago are some of the same folks that are actually working on our new and next generation of how we're dealing with waste and uh, programs at the university. So at the time, not only were we dealing with waste at the university, that's when I began looking at what was actually coming into the institution and investigating the garbage itself, doing weekly waste audits, looking at the types of things that the university was buying and tracing it back to the source of the contract that actually was executed to bring that waste to the university in the first place. So that began my uh, odyssey of sorts of rewriting and negotiating contracts that dealt with manufacturers and their products and getting that waste back to the manufacturers, the place where they actually originated from. So when you look at a Rutgers University contract, what it looks like is the environmentally preferable Alternative, It deals with social responsibility of the companies that we're dealing with, returning waste, in most cases, back to the place where we bought it from, or a third party is actually involved in collecting the waste as a result of that buy. Um, it deals with health concerns of our workers at the university that actually touch the uh, the products themselves. That's why our janitorial force at the university only uses um bio-based type cleaning materials at the university. Because of the reduction of health-related type issues, before this change was put into place, we sent out um, information to our our janitorial staff about the switch, let them know why we were making the switch, got their input on the health risks that they were uh, concerned about prior to the switch, and actually made for, I think, a better workforce once they understood that, we were doing things, not only for the betterment of the institution, but how they actually performed their jobs on a daily basis. So in addition to that, we empowered the uh, janitorial staff at that early stage to keep track on who was recycling and who was not recycling in the various offices and laboratories, which actually instituted the whoops Program which lasted for about three months until I almost got whoopsed out of the uh, institution. And what that was was we gave the janitorial staff little placards or little stickers that were bright fluorescent orange. And when they went to collect your waste on a daily basis, if they found contaminated waste in your office, either garbage in the recycling bin or vice versa, they were allowed to put one of these whoops stickers on your um, your container. This is, a, this is a happening city. I mean, there's all kinds of crime going on all around us. Um, but anyway, the idea here was to empower the janitorial staff to uh, become more involved. So the backfire against this was that they were putting these whoop stickers on everybody. There were particular faculty that they didn't like. There were particular people that really irked them during the day. So after about two weeks of no waste or recycling being picked up, um, we were able to convince them that this is only supposed to be for those individuals who actually do, uh, do not recycle. And that program lasted, again, like I said, for about three or four months, until people started to understand that, yes, we are looking at the types of waste that are actually exiting the institution. The next phase of that was for us and students to spend time outside, like I said, dumpster diving and looking at garbage and waste, and then tracking that back to the types of contracts that we were writing. Now, environmentally preferable purchasing for us attacks standards and specifications. There's a lot of life cycle assessment involved in the specs that we write. The contractors that we send out contracts to actually have to provide us with life cycle cost analysis of the products that they sell us, which is very interesting because initially they were reluctant to provide that type of information. If we use this product, how long it last? How much money are we going to spend uh, replacing it? Give us all the ingredients and all the information about this particular product, and what is the impact that this is going to have at the institution. You'll see this. Uh, this language throughout all of our contracts that we issue at the university. So in a sense, what I'm doing is passing some of the, the information onto our contractors to get them more involved in the process. And then in addition to those contract specifications, they're required to provide us um, detailed and up to the minute type reports on the changing market and if there's any other alternative products that are out there in the field, that they need to be the first people to tell us about it before we actually tell them about it. And that's been a very interesting and very positive success story in most of the contractors that we deal with. They want to do business with the university. They know that our values are set in environmentally preferable alternatives. And I can tell you this, when there's money involved in any type of contract situation, Uh, The types of contracts that we write have not been a problem, and our contractors have actually stepped up to the plate and actually provided us great information and have actually made some significant changes at the university that we uh, enjoy every day. The construction of new buildings and alternative materials that are used in that construction are also part of this program as well. So when buildings are being designed and being specced out the environmentally preferable alternatives are actually incorporated into that contract specification, even at the capital construction level. Now, we've been lucky in the last two years that the most recent hire at our university has been a a resident architect. And Rutgers has always had its staff of its own engineers and architects. But our lead architect at the university, who's a Rutgers University employee, actually contacted me about a year and a half ago and asked me if I would be interested uh, in rewriting the uh, the standards and specifications of the university to be much more uh, sustainable. I thought it was a crank call at first. But um, she's spearheading the capital planning and master plan of the university, and that entire specification and standards of the university are actually taking shape to be more green. Now, I've written down a couple steps that you can try to uh, employ as you're trying to uh, work through a lot of these uh, issues. The first thing I have down here is a uh, necessity test. Which products are really needed in what quantity? I mean, it's simple. Looking at what the university or college or school system actually buys, is it useless? Most of the stuff that we buy, We say that we need it. We buy it in large quantities, and when we get to the end of the year, it's usually sitting around. um, You're buying 55 gallons of acetate to do a little experiment that's going to last a a couple days. And so what are you going to do with the other 45 uh, gallons? Um, Tailoring those types of purchases so that the entire university uh, shares information and products as well. So this has been something that And we're talking about necessity testing. Can you actually get this particular product somewhere else on campus before you make a decision to buy uh, new? Uh, Substitution testing. Uh, Can undesirable products or particular ingredients and products be substituted or reduced, Um, especially, in this case, cleaning materials? Um, We completely substituted that. Recycled content garbage bag liners was something else that was an easy sell for not only our our, our facilities maintenance folks, but for cost purposes, recycled content garbage bag liners use little to no uh, petroleum in the process. So as the market for oil was bouncing up and down and the price of our bags were going up eight years ago, when we made the massive switch to recycled content, bag prices stabilized. The tear strength on the bags were exactly the same as virgin, and everybody was happy. Now, the problem that you run into when you make drastic changes like that is communicating the change to the folks that are impacted the most. In this case, the janitorial staff, who prior to that change had different color bags that represented different size bags. And so for our non-English-speaking janitorial staff, when we made the switch, And we got all these boxes of bags in, in different sizes, but they were all clear um, plastic, uh, recycled content plastic. They were used to the green bag is 55 gallon, the blue bag is this size, and the red bag is this. And we just completely blew their mind. Nothing was being done for a couple days until we realized that we actually made a drastic change without communicating that to the field. So we had to actually go back, speak with them make them understand the change, had basically little educational seminars that uh, got the message out. And for the first um, or the next uh, couple months, what the supplier was able to do was put color labels of the bag that it used to be on the box. And we actually used that to both educate and then finally get folks involved in the process. Um, without having any problems. So there was some good in that, but again, it backfired on us a little bit. Um, Stop procurement of dangerous or problematic products. Um, This is something that has troubled us for a while. Why the university, uh, prior to us making changes, would consistently purchase products that um, were a risk uh, to the health of the folks that actually used them? this one actually baffled, uh, baffled my mind. When we did make the switch to all of our cleaning products, I was able to actually negotiate with our risk management department a reduction in our insurance policy at the university. We actually got a significant drop, and this is something that you can investigate as well. As you're making these changes, the risk to health for the employees that actually touch some of these products is something that the uh, insurance companies actually were very favorable to and actually helped us reduce our liability costs at the university as a whole. And when you think about the institution of that size, it ended up being a pretty uh, decent size financial reduction for the university. And actually got the message of sustainability being uh, really tied to insurance and risk at that particular point, which um, seven years ago um, wasn't really thought about as being uh, connected. And then again. Buying regionally is something that um, just within the last three years, the university is taking up uh, a strong stance on. This one, to me, is a no-brainer. I think that other folks, for whatever reason, are just starting to grapple with this idea of why we're not buying products and services from the local um, economy. Um, In most cases, they'll tell you that it's not available. Um, in the size and the quantity that we need, but as institutions who uh, participate in large scale research uh, projects, passing the technology on to these local businesses and how to grip themselves or prepare themselves with the types of products and services that the institution needs is the next major step. We've been able to take local businesses that were making little widgets and have been able to pass technology that deals with, for instance, recycled content plastic, uh, making containers and other things that the university actually uses on a daily basis, pass that technology on to a firm, for instance, in Edison, New Jersey, who's now exclusively making the containers that we use at the university, um, making railroad tides uh, for Conrail out of recycled content plastic and making themselves, I think, a viable uh, small business within the state of New Jersey. These are the types of models that we need to uh, continue to promote. And there are local businesses right within your reach of your organization, right within the city itself, that are ripe for these types of changes. Um, We're now negotiating with several local farmers um, at the in the state of New Jersey to bring more produce and products to the uh, institution, specifically organic products which the students uh, have been demanding for such a long time. But that should be done locally. There should be no reason why farmers are not supplying the university the majority of the produce that we're now um, eating on a daily basis. So there's a small experiment that's going on now on one of our campuses that's called, um, appropriately, New Jersey Fresh. And the students have responded very positively to that. And that one, again, was a no-brainer. The dining hall staff has always been involved. You should reach out to them. They're very much concerned about the food that they, uh, if you want to call it food, in some cases, Hopefully, there's no uh, dining service folks here. But actually, they've gone a long way. They really are concerned about what students um, uh, eat. And um, students really have major power in this particular area. I think that they don't exercise their power enough. But when it comes to the dining facilities and what you want, there's some major changes that can be made in that particular area. Now, some of the other things that you're going to run up against, and I always give you the good, and I'm always going to give you the bad as well. Fiscal responsibility is going to be the biggest concern that most of the administration is going to have when you start um, talking about these issues. But what we were able to do is combine fiscal responsibility. And most institutions run on a year-to-year fiscal year or calendar year basis, where they give you a chunk of money and say, spend it. And at the end of that year, that's it. We're going to wipe it out, or we're going to give it back. What we were able to do is convince the institution that we needed to expand some of these budgets in order for us to realize some of the environmental benefits as well as the economic um, reductions in costs. Specifically, we were talking about the area of facilities maintenance. Um, green light bulbs, for instance, um, in our case, cost slightly more, but the impact of having the change a bulb, in some cases, prior to us switching out most of our bulbs was basically almost every other week. We spent a little bit more on the bulbs. They got the energy output that we were looking for. And these bulbs actually lasted several months. So the cost reduction wasn't realized, unfortunately, for the administration within that one short year budget cycle. But my negotiations with the university was, well, give us a year and a half, and I'll be able to prove to you that this is the best thing for the institution. They gave us that year and a half, and we significantly reduced our cost in the area of energy output. So the utilities department is actually now on the forefront of looking for more uh, sustainable uh, ideas and projects. And now we're starting to retrofit one of our computer labs with uh, fuel cells in solar cells. They're going to isolate several uh, computer terminals within the computer labs to make it more of a visual, like we were speaking this morning, that when they go into the lab, they're going to gravitate, and actually some of them have, towards the computer terminals that are being powered by solar and or fuel cells. We hope to expand that uh, that project as, as much as we can. Now, the manufacturing resource usage process is something that I take the heart because it's actually taken me uh, not only throughout the the states, but it's taken me to South America and the Far East to actually look at the products that the university is buying and then tie that back to the university, looking at sweatshops, um, how coffee is grown, and some of the products that we were buying before we made the switch. So actually being invited to South America, uh, to Peru and Colombia to actually look at some of the products that the United States, and Rutgers in particular, uh, have been purchasing, is something that is going to have to be somehow incorporated. Now, I don't expect all of your purchasing agents to be traveling the globe looking at the source of product. But there is a lot of information that's been published uh, in this area for purchasing professionals to take a look at. And if you want, at the end, I'll give you that information. it actually talks about the life cycle of products and where they come from and the impact that they're having at the institution, not only financially, but also in environmentally and the resources that it takes to actually get certain things um, to the institution. Now, the next phase in all this is actually taking everything that um, we're calling green products and bringing it in into the uh, computer age. For the last two and a half years at the university, I've been working on a special project. Um, I was called up from the depths of Rutgers Camden two and a half years ago, um, only because we had uh, been given funding to upgrade the financial systems at the university to make them web-based. The university purchased um, Oracle software, and the consultants that were hired to help us implement this project Said that they needed to have people on this project that were a little bit wacky, that didn't follow the uh, the university doctrine. We can think again that overuse phrase out of the box. Um, and we need seven of these individuals in an institution that has 9,800 faculty and staff. And they all looked at themselves like, you know, there's nobody here that we know that's like that. Until somebody in the administration, and this is how the story goes, that said, Well, who was that nut that we sent down to Camden five years ago? (laughs) Um, He might be interested in actually pulling this off. And um, I was assigned to this project. I represented the financial interests of the university. And again, looking back at that, we asked you to do this job, then now why did you do all this? um, attitude. What happened was I actually did work on the project for two and a half years, and as a result of all of what I just discussed with you today, the university now has a system that went live in July that actually tracks resources and waste that's coming into the institution every time you click the button. Every time you buy something into this this system, which is web-based, is connected to the internet, is connected to the world basically, but for the last two and a half years I was writing Um, computer code that actually tracked the package that this thing came in, whatever it might be, the resources that it took to actually assemble that product into whatever it is, and behind the scenes in this Oracle system, which Oracle uh, has given me absolutely no money for, but I'm pretty confident that they're actually marketing this out uh, and making billions of dollars today, um, were I can go into the system in real time and actually look at all the waste and all the resources that the university is bringing into the institution <coughs> Excuse me, on a daily basis. Really fascinating stuff. Um, I don't like computers. I never liked them when I first started on this project. But I said to myself, if I'm going to be put on this project, I've got to do something that's worthy than other than connecting the university to the World Wide Web. So now we have a prototype that I think and I hope is going to be the standard for all uh, web-based e-commerce systems where you can get something quick, you can get it fast, but negotiating where waste comes from and how waste is generated and be able to do reports and be able to take that report and negotiate with the manufacturers that you are now delivering X product to the university, yes, it's sustainable But look at the statistics. You're actually generating, on our behalf, all this waste, and here are your targets of where we want reductions to be made. And we had our very first meeting. Like I said, we've only been up since July with one of our manufacturers now that's now renegotiating the contract based on the fact that we've been able now to, for the first time, point out specific categories of waste that are being generated by that particular company, and then being able to put a dollar sign because not only does it track waste and collect tonnages and all the information behind the scenes, but I've been able to work in a code that actually looks at current market prices of particular waste and puts a number to that. So I can actually say, we've gotten X products from you valued at this. We've got X number of waste from you valued at this. Now, let's sit down and let's talk about how we're either going to pass this cost onto you or you're going to actually come up with alternatives in how you ship and how you deliver products and services to this institution. So I think that the tools finally are there for us to actually talk much more intelligently about how products and services are now impacting the institutions. I think that in the next decade or so, Oracle and all the other financial companies that are out there that are talking about bringing this type of technology into institutions are going to be knocking on your door if they have not already. And now you'll be able to uh, demand this type of activity behind the scenes as part of computer code. Now the reason why I did that was for obvious reasons, at least in my mind. You know, Now with the computer age and being able to buy things on the web, the lack of concern about where things come from and how quickly they get there has pretty much gone out the window. And so all the work that we've worked on up to this point seemed to have gone by the wayside as soon as the advent of e-commerce came into, into being. So that was the reason why I spent this significant amount of time on this particular project and then bringing this to the institution. And I think, hopefully, again, this is going to be the model. Now, real quickly before I uh, depart, I have a handout that I'm going to give to everyone. And in this handout, I have uh, a little section that deals with six steps towards environmental procurement, environmental contracting. And in that, we have um, six categories, as I mentioned, and I've given you some practical steps within each of those categories to help you and guide you through some of the things that you're going to deal with. And I'll give you some of the headlines of the six steps. First one is define and adopt political goals. This is looking at environmental policies and making sure that they're implemented at the institution. Evaluating the status quo. um, Again, looking at how things operate and how things can be changed. Um, Collecting and disseminating information to colleagues and others on the institution. Make sure that the work that you're doing is actually being uh, communicated in a large sense. Set a new course for the administration. Make the connection between what the students uh, demand and how the institution should be run. Uh, Procure and select with environmental goals in mind. That's uh, an obvious one. And then the last step is take political action, and then uh, make uh, network cooperative purchasing is something that's extremely big. We're working with several institutions on buying collectively rather than as silos so we can demand change and get the pricing that we've been uh, uh, worried about for so long. And then involve the local communities in your changes as well. They have a lot of impact. They have a lot of input, and they have a lot of energy. If the institution goes, I'm almost confident that the local community will go with you. So, again, the thing that I'm going to have to say to all of you is that this has been a long road. We've been able to change quite a bit at the institution. We are now recycling about 24 different commodities outside of the traditional bottles, cans, and paper, it's been a lot of work. And I'll be honest with you, the things that are easy are probably not worth even taking up, Okay, So be prepared to roll up your sleeves. I hope, looking out and seeing our Lawrenceville prep folks, that you guys are going to make the trip up to Rutgers and we'll be working on some projects in the near future. Other students in the audience need to connect with your staff. It's nice to have an advisor on the faculty side, but again, which was mentioned this morning, mentors that are actually in the trenches doing the work on a daily basis are the people that will give you the most enlightenment. Try to understand what they do on a daily basis, but because in most cases, they don't quite understand what it is that you want from them. And they're looking for the assistance that you can provide and the insight that you have and especially the energy that you can bring to the table. And there are a lot of models where faculty and staff have worked with students to make significant changes on the institution. So um, with that, go forth, I'm available, you can call me anytime. I'd be more than happy to come visit any of your institutions and talk green.
1: And in any case, it's certainly worth a hell of a try because it's all positive development anyway. To hear more talks like this one and discover more than 30 years of Schumacher Lectures, visit centerforneweconomics.org. The Schumacher Center for New Economics Research Library houses the collections of E.F. Schumacher, Robert Swan, and other influential thinkers in the New Economy Movement. You can strengthen our mission by purchasing a copy of your favorite Schumacher lectures at centerforneweconomics.org/order-pamphlets. Our work is supported by listeners like you. You can donate to our cause at centerforneweconomics.org/donate. This library and the Schumacher lectures capture powerful voices for economic reform, voices with the strength to move and inspire. They frame and inform action, but are not themselves the action. At a time when our earth is in crisis and our communities face complex challenges, we are all charged with creating solutions. The Schumacher Center's applied work seeks to implement the principles described by these speakers within the context of the Berkshire Hills of Massachusetts. This work includes crafting innovative leases that share equity and improvements while holding land and community trust. Building Berkshares, a local currency designed to democratize monetary issue and keep money circulating in the region. And engaging citizens in supporting the development of regionally appropriate businesses, creating local jobs while retaining local ownership and control. You can support our work in a new economy by making a donation at centerforneweconomics.org slash donate or call us at 413 528 one seven three seven to make an appointment to visit our research library and office at one hundred forty Jugend Road, Great Barrington, Massachusetts.